Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 66. I was right this time. Uh, <laughs> as always, Chaz here. You, Chaz here is here with you. The crew is here with you. Richard, what's going on? Hey, everyone. What's going on? It's going. Seth, what's up? Up for a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a what a weekend. Oh, my God. On yeah. every level. Oh, uh, we had quite the uh, pre-show uh, warm-up. Uh, Richard and Seth are all fired up. So let's just get to it on the docket. And <laughs> it, it's crazy how the docket's going to actually go. Uh, so the Pro Tour, we're going to actually talk about last. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like as as amazing as the Pro Tour was, te- eight different deck lists. So none of this doom and gloom, all company, you know, everything's going to be awful uh, predictions Richard had last week. <laughs> and Seth, too. Uh, <laughs> we had an awesome uh, Pro Tour, but uh, we have to talk about some pressing matters. Um, the Platinum Change... Uh, that Wizards announced uh, during the Pro Tour, which was uh, odd choice. It's like uh, firing your employees at an. Uh, we were just talking about this at a at a company lunch. Uh, like, uh, enjoy the hot dogs, and here's your pink slip. Uh, see you later. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We have we have a, a single fish mail that we will address. Uh, but let, let's just jump into this this fiasco here. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, announcement, Richard. Uh, I I don't know. You you said I was fired up, but I'm actually just very sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just makes no sense on multiple levels. Like the changes themselves. Like why cut money from pro play? Why add more variants to, um, you know, a quote unquote career that already has so much variance? And why kind of pull the bait and switch? You know, people have been grinding for platinum all year. 70% of the way through the season, they just change all the rewards. Like, what? And I, 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 I don't know. Like, it, it kind of just... It kind of calls into question Wizards' uh, vision for magic. It calls into question how trustworthy they are. And I, I have no idea why they would do this. Uh, the best thing I've heard was from Sperling, who wrote... Uh, quite a sizzling article this morning saying uh, this was probably from the fallout of the judge situation. Uh, Wizards wants to kind of distance themselves from being looked as employers or, you know, sustaining these pros. And that would be the only thing that makes sense to me, right? Like they don't actually want to do this, but the lawyers came down and kind right. of forced their hand. And then you kind of feel better about it, but not really. <laughs> like it's still a bad situation, but at least they're not doing it to despite the players. But I don't know. Like, why are they treating their ambassadors of the game like this? Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, – you, you nailed a lot of good points, uh, Richard. Seth, I want to – let's let's get your take. Well, first <laughs> off, only, only Wizards could have a – like, their dream pro tour. If they could have demonic tutored for a top eight of the pro tour <laughs> – the decks in it, the players in it, Finkel, LSV, Brad Nelson, Seth Mansfield. They had the dream Pro Tour to recover from Pro Tour Eldrazi and all the bad feelings that came from that. And if you look at their subreddit today, there is nothing about the Pro Tour. The top, <laughs> like, 15 posts are 
corporate greed, LSV mad about the changes, uh, wannabe mad about the changes, Rietzel mad about the changes. What other games are you going to play if you quit Magic? Like, it is just absurd that only Wizards could figure out a way how to take what should have been a perfect, awesome, triumphant wizard, uh, weekend for the game and turn it into this horrible feel-bads where everyone is angry. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just... It's ridiculous. I know they always make these announcements at the Pro Tour, but the the timing of it is horrible. The feeling that they pulled the rug out from under these pros. Like, the thing with Platinum is you work all year to be Platinum for the following year. So this season is going to conclude at the next Pro Tour. But what everyone's been working for for the past nine months is being Platinum through the next four Pro Tours and the money that's associated with that. So by ending it the way they're doing, it feels to me a lot like uh, like hiring a contractor to put an addition on your house or something, and you're going to pay them at the end of the job, and then they get 75% done with the job, and you're like, oh, sorry, I changed my mind, I'm not going to pay you. Like, I don't even know how that's, I mean, I guess technically it's legal and there's nothing anyone can do about it, but I don't know how that's ethical or moral. So the whole the whole situation is just absurd to me, and I don't get it. Well, the fact that there's no contract makes it legal, so in this sense, but uh, you'd probably run into some legal issues if you were if you had a contractor uh, doing some additions to your house. But that I'm just, yeah, I don't. <clears throat> you, you said uh, said that they usually do these announcements of the pro tour, but it's usually like, hey, Eldritch Moon, or like, <laughs> uh, we're gonna reveal some uh, Eternal Masters cards or conspiracy or whatever. Like, how do you? Like, who thought it was a good idea to like, you know? All right, guys. All right, let's uh, let's make this announcement during the pro tour at the conclusion of the pro tour, and let everyone that came out here just like leave totally pissed off. Like, how is that? Like, I I don't I don't know. Like that. Th- this seems like a Monday morning article. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Friday. The, yeah, Friday night when everyone's going away for the weekend, uh, try to slide it through on the mothership real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this definitely seemed like a Monday morning article, like, at the very least, you know? Like, uh, Matt Sperling did have a great article. I think, Richard, you're on to something about, and Matt, too, about the, uh, the, the judge situation. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not even, like, you know how there's always this kind of, like, debate or, like, you know, two sides to the, I mean, I'm not even seeing, like, anyone that, you know, I would normally see over social media, like, try to be, like, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing, wizards and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not even seeing that. I'm just seeing a lot of negativity, and rightly so. I mean, what do you say? Like, what's your counter argument? Yeah, I, I haven't seen any single person defend this yeah like even people closely affiliated with wizards but not quite wizards like bbd rich hagon you know they're all siding with the pros right and rightfully so right these guys are friends with the pros and uh you know a lot of the people in coverage are former pros and whatnot and it it kind of hits everyone so it's weird to me that even like official wizardsy people are are coming down on this side, right? So I mean, Helen was like barraged on Twitter. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really. I guess I feel bad, but I mean, it, I, like, what did you expect was going to happen? Oh, it, I, I don't think she should say anything. It really like ticks something in me when she only responds to John Finkel. 
Yeah. You know, like, I, I understand why she's doing this, but, like, just, just don't say anything. Like, put out yeah, the just... official word or don't chat. Like, don't make it look like John Finkel has some secret inside route to Wizards. Right? Well, like... and that's that's coming on the back of last week where it was Finkel who brought up the whole double face card issue and draft. And other people were saying this, but she responded only to Finkel. And then they changed the rules of the entire Pro Tour based on her Twitter conversation with Finkel. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it would. Ha- I mean, how bad would it look like a uh, uh, ex, you know, Pro Tour champion, top eight, uh, you know, player, Hall of Famer, like they never like doesn't get any kind of dialogue. I mean, you had like a twenty minute segment, like on John Finkel and how like illustrious his Magic career has been, and then like what he, you can't respond to him. I don't know. It was like just so weird. But I agree with you. I do agree with you, Richard. Like, don't say anything. Like, <laughs> probably would have been better. But, so, I mean, this is just a, like, really terrible feeling. I mean, to get out of a pro tour, it's like, it's exactly like you said, Seth. It's like we had a, such a really, like, amazing pro tour. And we are going to talk about it after this. I mean, it was great. Nothing against the pro tour, like, how that shaped up. I mean, we, it was so awesome. All these Hall of Famers, all these, you know, high-end pros in the top eight and you just dropped a bomb like that like it was just i don't understand and and even if you look at the bigger picture the timing is just so absurdly ridiculous it was not that long ago they were talking about how the new focus on coverage was to be carrying storylines over from event to event uh, and sort of like following these pro players and the different storylines and then the next pro tour, they drop this bomb that is likely going to cr- cause some number of pros to quit the game altogether. And yeah. then today they're releasing the documentary that Nate Holt's been working on for the last so many years, uh, Enter the Battlefield, which is the story of like being on the grind to become a platinum pro. Right. Like, it, it's, it's like <laughs> the people watch that and they're like, oh, my God, magic's awesome. And then they go like, what? Wait, I. I What's the point of trying to be a pro, like a plat pro? I don't uh, understand. Like, uh, man, the it was... problem is like these rewards weren't even that great, right? Like, yeah, you to begin got with, exactly. thousand dollars. It was just barely enough to like cover your expenses and you know make time for. It's not like you were raising your entire family on this. Yeah, right? I mean, so I to could... cut something so meager right. is just like why, right? Like, just just let it be, right? Like, it's four hundred thousand dollars for the company you know, for the year, like, why even bother messing around with this, right? Yeah, I, that was that was pretty uh, poor judgment. I mean, and I don't even think most of those guys are even coming ahead with the $3,000 per Pro Tour, like, appearance fee, because you got to consider they're going to houses and renting places for a week or two beforehand, staying at the event in a flying across the country, buying food, everything they need to live there for a couple weeks. I have to assume that that costs quite a bit of money for these guys to go to a pro tour. So this is just like making it so they're not paying out of pocket to go to the pro tour. It's not like they're getting that money and paying their rent and car payment with it. Like this is to make sure it's feasible for LSV to take a week off of work doing his real job, go to a foreign country uh, and live there for a period of time to do this promotional event for Wizards. Like it's... uh, yeah, I mean, it was tough enough at like three thousand dollars. I mean, what are you? Two hundred? What is it? Two hundred fifty dollars or something yeah, like, why, like that? Why even pay that? What? 
that's like a that's like an insult. I forgot who joked. This was on Twitter, but they're saying RPTQs are better value. Just give me the promo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fact that that's almost correct is kind of sad, right? Like, why even give the two fifty at this point? It's just paperwork, right? Yeah. Oh, oh man, I so, I mean, it's just. Oof. So so, are you guys expecting a? relatively large exodus in the pro community like are we really going to see a lot of big names not going to gps not going to pro tours because of this i i wouldn't be surprised if if uh some ripples like happen you know i just maybe not for, maybe not so much from the u.s pros like there might be some you know number of them but i mean this just straight up kills like outside you know non-us flat pros i mean just straight up kills it like how do how is paul reed sell or you know yas you know shouta or any of any of these players supposed to pay and and get and you know make the trips it just totally destroys non-us like pro the pro scene so i think that that uh that section of the pro uh community will definitely be uh impacted and i i don't see a lot of people from from outside countries, like even making it just because you took away that money. Yeah, it's like I think Paul. I think it was Paulo on Twitter. Like people yeah. were talking about a boycott, and Paulo's like, "It's just not going to happen because people want to go and pick up the three thousand dollars still." Right. Right. Like they're they're that reliant on it, and you know, making a statement is is not worth it. So that's it's kind of like being stuck in an abusive relationship, right? Like you got to go get yeah. that three thousand dollars, but. You know, next time it's going to be 250, but you still got to go pick it up anyway, and everything kind of looks okay. But I think we're going to see more Brian Kibblers. That's what we're going to see. I don't think like the whole scene will disappear, but uh, we might not see John Finkel at the next Pro Tour. Right? What does he have to prove? Right? right. Nothing. Right. And is he willing to take his time? You know, you know, out of his schedule, in which I'm probably sure he makes way more money in real life, right? <laughs> to right. go to this event where he's not even respected anymore. Right. So yeah, that's a great point. I don't think I, I think we'll see more Kibblers where, you know, a few famous people will jump ship. Uh, it's funny that Kibbler actually commentates for the Hearthstone Pro Tour. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's just like so bad, right? Like why, right? Like why did Wizards let this happen, right? Like yeah. here is the Hall of Famer magic player, jumped over to our game, he's commentating on our biggest event. He's more successful here. Like, why would they let that story even happen, right? But, you know, to lose John Finkel or something, to lose all these other pros would just be very Dems- bad for the game. Yeah. Guess uh, everyone's going to start learning Hex. <laughs> <laughs> I, Hex it's, it's weird. Like, people are like, oh, Hex, Hearthstone, Force of Will. Like, I don't know how many people are serious about this, but it's not that unreasonable. Like, if you wanted to make money, Hearthstone is so much better. Kibler. Yeah. Put it put it in the right right like his his like one day of streaming is like going to a pro tour right <laughs> like it's consistent he doesn't have to win right he just has to show up right no that's a, that's a great point because a lot of other pros were saying like I mean if John Finkel were to stream or any one of these people I mean just streaming these guys could probably make more like in a in a month or something like that I mean in a couple of days even for some of them. I'm pretty sure Kibler's stream is more popular than the Wizard stream. We gotta pull some numbers, but I'm almost <laughs> positive. Like it's definitely up there. It 
I'm I'm pretty sure it is. Someone was talking about it on Reddit, and they said that what they should do if they really want to send a message to Wizard is have people like Kibler skip the next Pro Tour, and during that time, stream Hearthstone and have more viewers than Wizards. Yeah. And and they would. Like, that was the point of it. Like, if Kibler streamed during a Pro Tour, he would have more people watching him stream Hearthstone just on a random Friday than people would be watching the biggest Magic event of the year. Yeah. Like, but it already now, now happened today. By, like, it already, like, ser- this actually happened, right? So I woke up. I didn't wake up. I just didn't sleep. It's 12 a.m. for, I thought, I think it was day two. Was it, I think it was day two. And there's a power outage. Or was it day three? There's a power outage, so the stream is down, right? And they started 15 minutes late. And what did I do? I hopped onto Twitch, and I watched a League of Legends pro play Dark Souls 3 with 25,000 other people, yep. right? <laughs> like, greater than all of the Magicverse. Just watching this guy get destroyed in Dark Souls 3. He's not even good at Dark Souls 3, right? He's not even playing the game he's famous for. He's just playing a random game and everyone's watching. So yep. it's already happening, right? Like, there are games way more popular, but I, I don't know. Like, what happened to the focus on esports? Like, you have no pros. Where's the pro scene, right? Like, well, that was kind of the thing because, I mean, they're like, oh, well, we make it, if we make a huge prize pool, like, that's kind of reminiscent of like other esports, but I'm like, yeah, but now no one's playing the game. Like, it's not even that big of a prize pool. Yeah, and I'm like, thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm like, that's nothing. Like, if you watch Dota two, League of Legends, all these like, even Hearthstone now, like, that's nothing. To be fair, Hearthstone actually pays less out. <laughs> so Hearthstone's okay. Pro Tour is, I think, a million. But if you count all the GPs and Pro Tours, Magic still pays more, at least right. according to some Reddit numbers. Uh, but, like, the point is not the tournament winnings. Most players don't make money from the tournament winnings, right? They make money from sponsorships and yep. streaming. It's yep. like, how much money does the Super Bowl pay? Who the hell right. knows, right? <laughs> like, it actually pays some bonus for winning the Super Bowl, but players make their money from their salaries and sponsorships and endorsements, whereas Magic Pros kind of get nothing, right? They they have to win. They have to, you know, win the die roll, get through Swiss, win the die roll three more times, luck out in the top eight and beat their you know peers, and then they get their prize, right? It's not very sustainable. The variance is so high. And kind of this appearance fee was kind of giving them a level of stability. And now it's kind of gone, and it's all gone into the world's pot. And, you know, only one person wins worlds every year, right? Yeah, so- uh, Shaheen Chenhar, or whatever his name is. <laughs> This, this was a great announcement for him. Jeez, like I'm rich. <laughs> I think he's won like the last two or three worlds for some reason. He doesn't win any other tournaments, but every year he somehow spikes uh, worlds on the like you won last year invite that they give out. So he knew good news was for coming, him. so he's good training, news for him. <laughs> training yeah. his worlds mojo. Well, there was I, – I, you were on to something there, Richard, because um, – in terms of sponsorship, I mean, Helen did tweet out that uh, to attract sponsors, we need to increase our visibility. Uh, it was in response to a tweet, uh, has uh, Wizards of the Coast given thought to having Pro Tour sponsors to increase the prize pool? Platinum changes seem very bad for players. So that's what she said. Yes, to attract sponsors, we need to increase our visibility. But, I mean, is that was that, like, the best way to do that? Like, I don't. So so here's the so thing. we suck four hundred thousand dollars out of our pro players to to get more visibility to get them paid like I what? I have a really hard time believing that Magic a game that makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year can't afford to 
pay this small stipend, maybe 400K a year to pro players, and run a Worlds with a $500,000 pool. Like, that's right. still less than half of 1% of their budget or something. Like, they could do both. The idea that they had to take all this money and stability away from the pros so they could have this higher payout of Worlds is... That's just not true. Like, I don't believe that. Yeah. They, they need to just suck it in and straight up hire the pros. Like, League yeah. of Legends, all the pros are employees of riots right they get paid a salary to sit around and play you know league of legends all day and then they compete in a tournament for prestige right yep. wizards should just do the same thing right like actually make teams with stability so that your teams don't disband and form every pro tour due to financial reasons and brand them and you know you can have this continuous storyline right like every season or every pro tour each pro is on a different team like why like why does this keep happening right like yep. have a coherent team and, you know, have them play each other, have the playoffs, have worlds, have whatever. But, you know, pay these guys to be ambassadors of your game. Right. And it can't cost that much money. Right. Like, like, I, I don't know. Right. Like to, to bootstrap esports, this is what most of the successful kind of games have done. Yeah. Right? The company puts out the money for the prize, pays the pros to play. And then once that's big enough, the pros can actually make the bulk of their money with sponsorships, with endorsements and other things. And you'll have actual sponsors outside of ultra pro yeah right like you can actually have red bull you can have intel you can actually have these other companies once you have enough eyeballs yeah i mean i agree with you maybe maybe we should have uh put our applications in for the president spot. <laughs> <laughs> i know what to do just come in and cut like fnms all together yeah <laughs> take that money of fnm promos and divert it into the pro tour <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't know it just seems like a very Poor decision. I mean, overall, I just, I, I mean, I, I feel for them, and and this is coming. These are, this is coming from the three of us that are not even impacted from this, you know, well, and and a lot of people aren't even impacted by this. But I mean, when you have, and that's the whole point, right? Like a lot of people try to grind, try to aspire to be, you know, take you know their hobby to the next level, and it's just like when you see something like this, it's like, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is it's it's upsetting. But, and I mean, not only that, but pros leaving the game means you're not getting their content on Channel Fireball or Star right. City Games. You don't have them to watch at GPs. You're watching random people you've never heard of before. So why? Like, that's the reason a lot of people tune in to watch GPs is because you're following people that you know, these characters that you've been following for a year or several years. So you lose so much. Like, it only directly impacts 34 people that are platinum pros, but the ripples really go down through the community. And it's, I think it's a really scary and bad thing for the community as a whole, like the potential loss of the best yep. players in the game. My uh, pro tour fantasy team is crushed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But So do you guys think wizards will actually do anything about this backlash? So I mean, short of short of reverting the changes, I don't I don't see what they could possibly do. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it really is that they legally can't do this according to their lawyers. Then there's probably nothing they can do. If that's not the reason, I wouldn't be surprised to see them temporarily backtrack and say, "All right, you have a good point. It is unfair that we change your uh, payouts." 75% through the season. We'll wait and implement it after next year's season, so the middle of 2017. But I think the damage is already done because if you listen to the pros, 
it's not for a lot of them. It's not the twelve thousand dollars they're losing. Yeah. Like, yes, that sucks. But what it is is that this trust with Wizards has been broken, and the way they've handled this whole situation has really angered a lot of these people. So even if they did backtrack and do something like that, I think the damage is already done in some sense. Yeah. I mean, I would have to think they would do something to kind of subsidize that uh, in some way, you know, try to – I mean, like Helen said, I mean, if they're really truly doing this to get visibility and – sponsorship for their uh, pro community i mean i just i don't see how that wasn't part of like a restructured uh payout to the pro community and how they get them paid like i don't see how they would break that up other than just terrible communication and and you know it that's not impossible like if you remember when they took away the modern pro tour uh the first time we'll talk more about that in a minute but when they took away the modern pro tour everyone flipped out and then like a month later, they were like, oh, we're going to this two-block formation, multiple rotations. And after everyone heard that, they were like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it should be standard Pro Tours. We're getting more rotations. Yep. But it was it was too late. So it's not inconceivable that Wizards has some sort of plan to fix this, but just only gave us the bad news at the Pro <laughs> Tour. And then a month from now, they're going to be like, oh, this was actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's Plan B, right? They're right now furiously figuring out how to spin this in a positive manner, right? Yeah, I don't think there's been any response. Like maybe that one message to Finkel, but I haven't seen any from I anyone from Wizards saying anything anywhere. Was, and yeah, it might be that they're flying back from Europe today as well, which might be part of it. But still, it's been radio silence from Wizards. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, going to take them a couple days to get yeah. an official response. Yeah, mostly because they have to think up of an actual response. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we, we forgot some zeros at the end of the numbers. Guys. Yeah. It's actually 2,500, and there was a typo in the slides. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the very least, it was just a shame that they announced it at the Pro Tour. Like, that, that just seemed very terrible. <laughs> like, a very terrible idea. I don't know. I don't think you can ever get over that, to be honest with you. Like, here you are. You have everyone competing. You have all these Hall of Famers and everything. It just, like, totally takes the wind out of the sails. Like you said, Seth, earlier. It's just couldn't ask for a better pro tour, and they managed to mess it up somehow. And it's just it's, – it's a shame. Uh, what well, the last thing I want to say is yeah. I have never seen the community, every part of the community, so united behind something. Usually, when these things go up, come up, there's like fifty percent that are like, "Oh, wizards! I can't believe you did this," and then the other fifty percent's like, "Calm down, like chill out, everyone. This was fine." But literally. Everyone from every yeah. aspect of the community, social media, Reddit, people that work with Wizards even, everyone has come out against this choice. So I don't know if Wizards imagine the backlash to be as severe as it was. I think they had to expect the pros to be unhappy, but I'm not sure if they expected the random nobody players on Reddit to be riding <laughs> in unison <laughs> like over this issue. I think yeah. they might have thought they're the pros, like who cares about the top 1% anyway? But I think they might have underestimated the community's response to this. If there's ever a reason for an angry mob, it will always form on Reddit. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Okay, um, let's, let's switch gears here. Uh, so they, they also canceled uh, the Modern Pro Tour. So I'm assuming a lot of people are, are happy about that. It's kind of like something I, I feel a lot of people... 
wanted. It's a long time coming. But honestly, now that they kind of announced it, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I I kind of liked a modern pro tour, but I guess I was in a very small minority because a lot of people seem really okay about it. I, I think it's a good change. I I kind of saw this one coming and I yeah. think I think that it was it was everything I've been saying, actually, all the way back to the article about them banning Splinter Twin to keep the format interesting and to sell packs. Like, they pretty much confirmed all of that stuff in the article they posted. And I think this is a good thing for Modern and its long-term health. I think it gets rid of some of the crazy price spikes. It should get rid of the random Shake Up the Pro Tour bannings that have been happening all the time. So I think this makes Modern more stable over the long term, and it makes me more comfortable uh, investing into modern because I'm not going to be looking over my shoulder, expecting bannings, and worrying about what crazy thing they'll do because of the pro tour. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good response, Richard. What do you think? Uh, it's it's expected. So when they originally tried to cancel the modern pro tour, they had their reasons, and they kind of backtracked due to the community response, and that's what I don't agree with. Like why? Why even change Oath into a modern pro tour? Like, it, it actually was a very successful pro tour. So if you changed it and it was very successful, why do you have to change it again? Like, clearly they were just doing it for goodwill with the community or they just don't know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, why flip-flop like this, right? Like, you, we knew they wanted it to go away so they could promote standard. So why even take the Oath pro tour and flip it to modern? And then kind of quote-unquote screw up modern like so many bannings happened since that point in time but i'm okay with pro tours being standard but i would like to see high level play with modern and worlds for a couple rounds is weird because it's such a small metagame like i think they should actually you know with modern masters have like a large pro tour like event that's not actually the pro tour but if there are no pros anymore due to the platinum changes, maybe this doesn't work. <laughs> but I, I don't know, right? Like I, I want to see, you know, not this weird inbred 30-player metagame uh, that Worlds is, right? I actually want to see pros playing modern at some point. So I, I was hoping they'd give us a once-a-year tournament for this, in addition to, you know, the normal pro tours, but they've kind of just axed it all together. So we're not seeing modern again. It's like legacy. Have your couple GPs that no one ever watches, and that's it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I, I kind of side with you on that one, Richard. I, I did kind of enjoy uh, the pro community, and, and you're right; it's, it's not some degenerate uh, world's uh, specific meta. But all the pros getting together playing modern, I, I felt like that was needed at least once a year. But I mean, I don't. Where where do you see this? I mean, Seth, you 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 talked about um, you know it alleviates some of the crazy price spikes and i i agree with that uh we talk about finance a lot where do you is this like some kind of is this going to have a ripple effect in in modern pricing and and just overall uh attendance in general i mean a lot of people like to play like they see a modern pro tour they they see all these high name pros uh playing sitting together testing for modern uh they and they tend to copycat those lists um do you see like an overall just general decline in modern uh card prices altogether because i i think we will see that to some extent i don't think this hurts modern at all that's okay. my take i think with 
um, SCG focusing on modern instead of okay. legacy uh, and doing their invitationals uh, and having modern tournaments frequently, plus the modern GP circuit and still getting sets like modern masters and so forth. I, I think it just means stability. I'm not expecting to see prices decrease. I just think it'll be more stable and not right. as up and down and spiky as it has been. Yeah, definitely not a roller coaster, and I definitely tweeted that out. But um, where I was coming at it, uh, you know, as a general, you know, gradual decline, maybe we see not so much in, in certain cards, like certain staples like Tarmogoy and stuff like that. But my where I was coming at it is with without – the hype of the pro tour and again without that roller coaster and more reprints like with these modern masters sets um i i think that will eventually drive down prices as we go along because you know the pro tour is kind of like that zenith of what everyone likes to play and what everyone is looking for and without that i just feel like there's nowhere like it it won't they cards won't drastically go up they drastically won't go down, so I guess he has stability, but maybe trend down a little bit across the board. So, so, so do you think less people are going to play modern as a result of this? I don't think less people will play modern, but I, I feel like there's not so much of a need to go out and like buy everything because, or buy new cards because you know certain pro players are playing X deck, you know, because there's not so much of an emphasis. That will make less people play. Right? right, I think the the speed at which modern changes will slow down. I mean, like it or not, the quote unquote uh, pro tour bannings and unbannings changed the modern metagame, caused a lot of interest, and made people buy cards. Yeah, right. And also, you also have all of your best players uh, in the world gathered together two weeks brewing and coming up with innovation. Right. If you just leave it to the SCG circuit, you know, how seriously do people take that? How much brewing and time do they? do and are they the best players in the world right so i think we lose a lot of that and i think uh it's it's going to become more like legacy where you have all these decks you can play them but it moves at a glacial pace until someone breaks some new tech out but that doesn't happen that frequently and i think if things don't change like if aldrazi doesn't come in and you've been playing the same modern deck for a year i think you'll be less interested in playing it like I, I think That's it's not as point. tough to play like legacy. Like you can always sit down and try to like resolve a brainstorm properly. It's very difficult, right? But with modern decks, they're not they're not as hard. Like it's not as intricate to play. So kind of the lines become pretty similar after a certain amount of time, and it's like standard. Where towards the end of the format, you kind of know what you need to do against all the decks, and you just play it out. And I think modern will get to that point if they don't keep shaking it up. And the pro tour was the engine to shake it up. Now that that's gone, like, I don't know. Yeah, that is I some guess, good points. I guess I'm more more optimistic than you guys are about it. I think that that's, I see that as a good thing. The the pace of change slowing down. Because I, I want Modern to be a place where people can feel safe buying a deck and keeping it for years. Because a lot of the hurt feelings and uh, problems for Modern come from people investing a lot of money in a deck only to have it get banned or have something else happen to push it out of the meta completely. So I would rather see Modern be slightly more legacy-like in the fact that you can build into and invest in an expensive deck and expect a year or two from now you can go to a Modern GP and still play that deck and still have success with it. So I yeah. like that aspect of the change. Yeah, that's, that's one really good positive out of this. 
that if that's probably that is a very good positive and and probably one of the main points of the the change uh because you know Aaron um whether people agree with the changes or not um I I did like the pro tour but I think that was a much needed like update on where they feel modern is going and why they did those changes so if anything I would I would suggest to go read it uh, it's on the mothership site but uh yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, Seth, and, and a really big positive out of all that, um, even if there's some other negative uh, effects from uh, canceling a Modern Pro Tour and like their their vision of where Modern is going. But um, yeah, I mean, if anything, uh, another huge positive is I get to play Affinity for you know quite some time. <laughs> Don't have to worry about you guys banning my my cards. Wrong, Eldritch Moon. Like before, before we stop messing with modern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, Moxopole and cranial plating. <laughs> Here's a parting gift. <laughs> I mean, is it going to be like vintage? No one cares, and they just let shops run wild for a while until enough people Maybe. get vocal. Like I, I don't know anymore. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, the general consensus is like it, it'll tone down banning. So a lot of people are like, "Well, you get to enjoy Affinity for a while longer <laughs> before they actually care enough to, you know, do anything about it." Um, last on our uh, before we get to our uh, fish mail question. So let's actually talk about the Pro Tour a little bit. <laughs> 30 uh, minutes in, we, we talk about the quote-unquote yeah, main event. Yeah. Um, uh, unlike all the uh, upsetting news and uh, this craziness, the Pro Tour was actually really good. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, just general thoughts, but we can uh, focus on the top eight if you'd like. But uh, go ahead, Richard. Uh, it was a very good Pro Tour. I, I think, you know, everyone expected – mono-white humans or, you know, white-slash-X-humans. Everyone expected Bant Company, and those decks actually showed up. Uh, they were out there in full force. They were the large percentage of the metagame. But we had a lot of spicy brews. We had John Finkel's Seasons Pass Control, like what? We had uh, Rally 2.0 Black Green Aristocrats by LSV. Uh, we had a bunch of Goggles decks, Pyromancer's Goggles. Everyone loves that card. And then we had, you know, the tried and true Esper Dragons in the top eight. We had Esper Super Friends Control and the winning deck, White Green Tokens. So we had a ton of decks, which is good, right? Like there were a bunch of decks with targets on their backs. Uh, they were out in full force. Uh, there were decks to metagame them. And then there were decks that preyed on those decks. And uh, we had very good matchups and some very lopsided matchups too, because these decks are so tuned to to beat other decks in the top eight. But overall, I thought it was probably one of the most entertaining pro tours in terms of decks and matches and pro players I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I agree with you, Richard. Uh, Seth, what did you think? You wrote a, you actually wrote an article uh, beforehand uh, going over uh, the numbers, by the numbers, as you always uh, write uh, for Pro Tour Shadows of Rinnestrap. What what did you take away from that um, and, and your overall thoughts? Because you, you broke it all down. Well... Well, two of the, I guess, the big takeaways. One is White Green Tokens, I think, was actually the best deck at the tournament. It's yeah, I agree. fairly rare that the actual best deck by the numbers wins the entire tournament. A lot of times, like, the tournament that Sperling won with Abzan Control. Abzan Control was one of the worst decks at that tournament, but it won the grand prize. So, so that was my big takeaway, is White Green Tokens is very good. And the two most interesting decks for me, the ones Richard mentioned, the Black Green Aristocrats that 
Team Channel Fireball and some of the Ultra Pro guys played. And the Green Black Seasons Pass Control, the, the Pantheon, including Finkel played. Those decks, I'm not sure how good they actually are. I think it's really hard to tell. Like, their numbers were fine. But when you take into account that the people, like the Black Green Control deck, for example, I think it had eight players. And the four of them that actually posted at least six wins were Finkel, Owen Turtenwald, Reed Duke, and Huey Jensen, four of maybe the 10 best players in the world, and people that have arguments of being among the best players of all time. Like, those guys should be able to win, uh, even in a pro tour field. So I don't know if those decks are actually good or if they look good because of the people playing them. So that was my other takeaway is some of the, I, I think that if you're a normal player and you're going to pick up the season's pass deck on magic online or take it to F don't expect to have the same levels of success with it because it, it seems pretty hard to play. And the numbers are probably skewed by having such great players that are on those lists. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think uh, there are some telling signs there and I, I think, it was great that you pulled up the numbers, and I also felt like Green White Tokens was the kind of the unsung hero and, and storyline of the weekend, and it was just a very good deck. And uh, congrats to Steve Rubin on uh, the, being the Pro Tour champion; he played phenomenal all weekend. But uh, yeah, my takeaway too was, you know, Richard was right. Band Company and Humans definitely showed up in big numbers, but uh, it's relieving to know that so many teams came together and found wildly different solutions to that issue and uh you know we we did the the cast like right beforehand we we recorded um a little late last week but if you told me seasons pass was going to be a main you know tournament staple and john finkel would be playing it i wouldn't have believed you at all but uh here and, we are. <laughs> I mean, also, the Goggles Ramp deck was sweet. It's definitely worth mentioning that. It was yeah. It's just such a unique take on a ramp deck because it's really a ramp burn deck. There's very few creatures in that deck, so you're pretty much just, like, drawing cards and then trying to 20 your opponent with a Fall of the Titans off of uh, Pyromancer's Goggles. Yeah, well, to go even further, I mean, they just... Well, it was, it was funny that Brad Nelson was playing that... Um, he was kind of interested in the goggles uh, beforehand. Uh, we saw those preliminary weeks in S- SCG, like the blue red list. But it just seems like they just ported that goggles, uh, magmatic insight, tormenting voice, and like just put it in like every deck that could play it. Uh, and I think that's really awesome. I mean, it's it's super powerful. And it's it's really funny because those cards have been legal since Magic Origins. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And no one has been playing them. And now apparently everyone's playing Goggles and Bigmatic Insight, uh, Insight and Tormenting Voice. So. Yeah, and, and it was just, it, you're absolutely right, Seth. It was just a really cool way to uh, implement that into like a ramp deck of all all decks. It just totally changed the configuration of the list, and and it solves a lot of the issues uh, ramp decks you know, normally have where they kind of run out of gas, you're ramping, and then you don't really have anything. I mean, when you're drawing four cards off of one spell, uh, it definitely keeps things going. So that was really awesome. And uh, we saw not only in that deck, but then there was like the the other top eight list. um, Luis Salvato's. Yeah, Salvato's. uh, Yeah. So that was awesome, too. Yeah, that was like uh, a white-red Eldrazi, like little Eldrazi, Thought Not Seer, Mattery Shaper, 
hybrid with goggles and uh, Nahiri of all things. So that was a very, there was, I mean, eight different decks in the top eight is just awesome. Oh, like, yeah. That does not happen. I don't know when the last time that happened is. So, uh, so that was sweet. We got to see a lot of different things and that really made it a good top eight and a good turn. Yeah, absolutely. It was just great because you get to see all these subtle nuances uh, and all these little changes to existing decks that we kind of saw beforehand. Uh, Seth, you know, we, we looked at, and and you did a a deck tech about the Aristocrats list in, in the very preliminary weeks of uh, Shadows Over and Strap. But then just like adding Collect to Company and really streamlining the deck uh, from Channel Fireball, it's like, why hasn't this been a thing before? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it was awesome that... Uh, the big question going into the tournament was, can anyone beat Bant Company? And the answer was, there are a bunch of different yeah. ways that are really unique to beat Bant Company. So it makes me feel really good about the format going forward, because I expect we're going to see a lot of diverse decks at the STG events, at upcoming GPs, because we didn't, even though I think Green White Tokens was the best deck of the weekend... It's not like anything blew everything else out of the water like uh, Aldrazi did at the last Pro Tour. So I expect we're going to see a lot of cool stuff still going on in the weeks to come. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely a relief. Uh, the top cards of the tournament, I mean, Sylvan Advocate still leading the way. Decoration and Stone still really popular. And then my all-time favorite, Tireless Tracker, uh, <laughs> third up. So uh, it was just an awesome – I mean, Jace rounds it out at 10. Jace is still a powerful card, not as crazy as he was – just a few weeks ago, but um, and then Richard's favorite at number nine, Thraben Inspector, uh, coming in strong. Um, just a financial aside, uh, Seth, there were some really crazy price spikes, but that's to be expected. Um, obviously, if you have extras of these, you know it would be best to sell into the craziness. I think some prices will cool off, but I mean, some of them not so much. I mean. Seasons Pass will definitely not, will probably not creep down to a dollar again. Uh, Sylvan Advocate probably only has nowhere to go but up because it is an Oath of the Gate watch. Uh, kind of got cut off there. But uh, what what do you feel about that? Yeah, I think for me, pay attention to when the cards rotate. I right. was stuff like Seasons Past um, and Sylvan Advocate, Hissing Quagmire, uh, Kalidus. Those cards, I think they'll go down a little bit from the hype, but they probably won't go all the way back to their pre-Pro Tour prices. On the other hand, I think this is the absolute peak for Languish, Goggles, uh, Dark Petition, yep. the cards that are rotating in the fall, because this is usually when those cards hit their peak, and then they're going to slowly decline through the summer tool rotations. So. Yeah. It's still insane. I mean, you mentioned it, Seth, like how... How much more value is extracted just from Origins? It's nuts. Yeah, and you know what else is also insane is that Collected Company is $24, and it was printed in an unlimited supply <laughs> supplemental. How much How much would Collected Company cost, Chaz, if it was not reprinted in that Clash Pack or uh, deck? I can only say, like, I can only respond to that with a joke. Uh, I, I talked to a longtime friend uh, who plays Magic over the phone. He's like, do they want to make Collected Company like a $50 card? Because <laughs> like, it's just that good. Like They keep making all these insane like three mana and under cards that Collected Company just works so well with. Yeah. I don't know. To be honest, without that reprint, I mean, even with that reprint, it, it's only going up. You know? Um, on the other hand, a lot of the stuff that 
we had kind of talked about and were maybe hoping uh, against hope would show up, didn't show up. So I expect them to keep trending down. Uh, Arlen Cord, yeah. Relentless Dead, Olivia, uh, Thing in the Ice, all those cards. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and and we did talk about that uh, prior, but it just seems like we may have to wait a little bit longer on those, right? Uh, just powerful cards in a vacuum, but, I mean, they just don't have a the right home yet. And and the other thing I wanted to bring up, since this has been a big topic recently, sure. is it seems like prices have been getting a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. Uh, it, it's total deck prices. If you're playing a J-Stack, it's still expensive. Uh, and white-green tokens is a little bit expensive because you have a ton of Planeswalkers and Avacyn. Yeah. But in the decks in the top eight, there is two or three in the like 250 to 325 range, uh, including goggles, black green control, black green aristocrats. So it's not like it was before where you got to spend a thousand dollars to build a top eight deck for standard. Yeah, I, I think you know, if you were to take the average of even all the six you know win plus decks, I mean, it would probably fall in the four to five hundred category, which is normal for standard, but and that's pretty much what it is. It's just normal for standard, it's not totally inflated. But there's, like, like you said, some really good uh, choice decks that are under $300. Um, and I think that's a lot more reasonable from where we just came from uh, with all these fetch lands and Jace. And what? Your perception is else. so skewed, Chaz. Since when is $500 reasonable? We've been living in fetch land world for too much. Remember when decks used to cost $200 and $100? Well, well, I think, well, just the average seems more reasonable than when we where we were but yeah, like yeah. i was saying like monoway humans is under 300 it's like 250 so i think like and it's a viable deck so i think that's fair enough the, the fetch land era and the Shockland era inflated everything but yeah. before them standard was actually a reasonable format right, right like right. remember the days when you can actually win a tournament with a 30 dollar mono red deck <laughs> yeah, right? I like, do remember that. that wasn't even that long ago it's just we've had the expensive land reprints in the last two standard formats yeah, which have really right. inflated the prices but i get seth's point there you know black green control was 150 ticks online uh, i don't think that deck's going to survive but <laughs> there there are decks playing weird cards that are mostly you know commons and uncommons and uh the price is much more reasonable when you don't have to play uh five color good stuff in in the format yeah i mean i'm just looking i mean some of these uh mono white humans lists are under 100 ticks so uh still a little bit pricey on the the paper side but i mean 250 is like worlds different than where we were yeah but mono white used to be like 20 bucks <laughs> that uh, was when, the deck you played because you couldn't afford to play anything yeah else. <laughs> i mean well when you're playing avison that kind of messes things up a little bit and and that's the thing too like i think you could make mono white humans and still be competitive and make it even cheaper because with most of these decks it is a couple cards that are really inflating the price yeah and and there are cards that will go down like i don't think declaration in stone is going to be able to hold that 15 plus dollars a copy over the long term always watching probably isn't going to be a five dollar card over the long term or thales lieutenant so i think that uh, if you're smart about it I guess my overall point is this standard is cheaper than the last standard, which is a good thing all around. And there are some cheap options for people. Is it as cheap as I would like it to be for players? No, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And in the coming weeks, there's just going to be more supply of Shadows over Industry. I mean, I just, 
fifty dollars, you know, over fifty dollars a playset for Declaration and Stones probably not sustainable. I mean, Knight of the White Orchid. I mean, there's just so many of them out there. I mean, I had I had four just laying around from like Alara. <laughs> I mean, so I, I just don't see like seven dollar Knight of the White Orchids for that much longer. Um, so that that'll that'll help, but yeah, I mean. You're right, Seth. It, it is much cheaper, and that's like kind of where I was agreeing with you. But it, it is still expensive enough for, for a hobby, so I, I do see where you're coming from, Richard. So what do you guys think the metagame will be going forward? I think it's wide open. I mean, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of what we saw at uh, Pro Tour. Uh, you did highlight a couple decks, Seth, that um, just because it didn't make to the top eight doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but uh, there were some really interesting lists, and it just feels like some of these lists will adapt. Like I think that Finkel list can adapt and survive. Uh, it just needs to find a better way to uh, combat Collected Company. Um, but yeah, it just seems like it's wide open. I mean, there's a lot of interesting decks to choose from. I definitely expect to see... Out the, I guess the... I mean, I guess a lot of the top eight. I don't think Bank Company will be completely gone. I think no, even no. though it wasn't great at the tournament uh, making it to the finals is going to make some people feel comfortable with staying with it but i expect to see more of the goggles ramp deck and more of the black green aristocrats deck in specific i think yeah. people are going to try the finkels list it seems like one of those decks i remember at pro tour magic origins is where uh the sphinx's tutelage deck performed well and then we <laughs> did we did the numbers uh, on like the analyze so many thousands of games of moto after that and that deck won like 30% of the time like if any non pro tried to play that deck they just got killed it was the worst deck possible and i imagine that black green control is like that like i ran into a lot of people on magic online playing it and every single time it looks completely awful and they lose before they really do anything so i don't have high hopes that mere mortals are going to be able to uh, pilot that deck effectively Fair enough. Yeah, I think the format's wide open. I think the Pro Tour didn't really solve anything. Uh, I actually think Bant Company will be the deck going forward. It, to me, it seems like the most Jund-like deck. It has game against every deck. It may not be favorable, but it's almost 50-50. Because, like, you know, Seasons Pass Control folds to a single counterspell. Yeah. Right? We saw that with Bant Company. They're like, whatever, just, like, dispel, you're dead. Same with uh, Aristocrats. One playing Tendrils and the deck is done. Right, so all of these cards, ha uh, all these decks have like weaknesses, such that the metagame can basically wipe them out. Uh, you know, goggles. If you just disenchant the goggles, or if you just infinite obliter obliteration them, they're done. So, what happens? Like no one knows, right? Like how much hate do you put for these decks, and that's going to set up the metagame. So I actually think something like Esper Dragons or Bant Company, they weren't the best decks at the Pro Tour, but they're kind of fifty-fifty-ish, and I think. Because it's so rock, paper, scissors right now, I think those 50-50 decks will actually make up a big percentage of the metagame. Yeah. If I had to choose a deck going forward, I think I would settle on white-green tokens. Deck just looked really strong. And, and, to, and to you know, echo the points that you said, Richard, I also feel like that deck has uh, a lot of good matchups and it seems really strong against collected companies. So if uh, you're walking into a metagame, you, you think, uh, you know, at... FNM or even you know RPTQs or PPTQs, and you feel like there's going to be a lot of company. I think uh, Green White Tokens is a pretty good choice. Get those Violet Plagues ready. Yeah, <laughs> you can't remove Gideon Emblems though. That's a problem. 
<laughs> no, right. There's no way to interact with an emblem whatsoever in the game, right? Nope. You just got to hope that your uh, opponent thinks they have one when they actually don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Twitch chat, man. <laughs> Everyone's like a top eight competitor in Twitch chat. I've never seen so much hate for like misplays. <laughs> One of my favorite moments of the event is when uh, it might have been Steve Rubin actually was playing LSV and cast a planeswalker with seemingly the wrong mana, but had Oath of Nissa on the battlefield and. Uh, <laughs> Oath of Niz- and uh, LSV took the time. It was a winning in to actually like shout out to Twitch chat and explain <laughs> to the chat that that's what happened as he was playing a winning in for top eight. Yeah, yep. so good. Um, yeah, I think we had a uh, one fish mail. Um, oh and- no! All I don't right. want to get into this today. Here we go. <laughs> okay, go ahead. At geek no evil. Uh, ironically asked before the Pro Tour, but <laughs> we're doing this after the Pro Tour. So why invest in Magic Online cards? <laughs> what if Wizards goes out of businesses or changes the way card collections are handled online? Oh, well, well go ahead, Jazz. <laughs> well, this is kind of why I never heavily invested into MTGO in the first place. But I can see how it's a, a really big concern. I mean, you tweeted out, Seth, that uh, when you hear like phrases like "new direction" for the, uh, you know, new digital platform, it's pretty scary. Like when you have large collections on MTGO, um, but yeah, I'll have you guys uh, answer this more. I mean, you're more heavily vested in MTGO than I am, but I never really felt like it was a platform I can get into because of the uncertainty. And uh, I'm just a snob. And, you know, until they give me a better client and, and, and you know, actually care about it, uh, I'm not going to care about it. So that's, like, kind of where I am. But I understand people play it and use it as a, as a platform for, for streaming or, you know, with the decks that you uh, create, Seth. And it's just a, a good medium for that. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, if we got this question last week, my answer would have been something like, oh, well, even if those changes happen, I have uh, confidence that Wizards would handle it in a way that would be respectful of the collections of people on there. Uh, that that has always been what I've told myself. Like, yes, maybe there'll be a new client. Maybe they'll eventually move to some sort of Hearthstone model where there's no uh, economy and devalues all the cards. But I really think that Wizards will do it in a way that uh, takes care of these people that have been investing in Magic Online for the past 15 years or whatever it is now. But this weekend's events that we've already talked about with the the company basically eliminating a huge percentage of the pros' potential earnings at a moment's notice, that really got me thinking about the whole situation, and it, it makes me nervous. It makes me feel like if Wizards would do this to the pros who are their like, ambassadors for the game – Maybe they don't really care about the however many thousands of dollars I have in Magic Online. And I could wake up one day to them being like, oh, we're going to a Hearthstone model. Uh, good luck, everyone. Thank you for playing under the old redemption system. And all that money just suddenly disappears. So I don't have a good answer right now. But it's definitely something I'm concerned about based on uh, recent events. I'm going to disagree with Seth. Uh, I-, I think there are fears, but you should have the exact same fears with your paper collection. It's not like your pieces of cardboard are intrinsically worth anything, right? If 
if Magic the Gathering the game goes belly up, your Black Lotus is worthless, right? Yep, Maybe not Black Lotus, it's a collector's item. But your Jace Vin's Prodigy is worthless, right? Ask everyone who owned uh, a Beanie Baby. Ask anyone who owned comic books in the 90s or, you know, sports cards, right? If Wizards goes belly up, your cards are worthless. It's the exact same thing as if your digital objects go worthless. So to me, it's not really a digital versus uh, paper argument. It's really, do you want to invest all this money in your hobby that is, you know, unregulated? Wizards can do anything at any time. And it's basically just cardboard and worthless. So... I kind of fall on that side of the argument. You could make an argument for, well, you probably shouldn't have $10,000 of cardboard sitting at home, right? But, <laughs> right. you know, it's the same thing as having $10,000 of bits in Magic Online. I, I guess for me, I feel like why I don't think the odds are high of either thing happening, it feels like the odds are higher that things could go wrong in Magic Online and you lose all your money than it is for Paper Magic. Maybe partly because Paper Magic is so much bigger and been around for so much longer. Like I could imagine in the most catastrophic scenario, wizards just shuttering magic online and everyone losing everything. It is really hard for me to imagine the paper card game just coming to an end at any point in the near future. I imagine the opposite. I actually imagine like, why are we playing with pieces of paper? Do you still send letters or do you send emails? Right, if Wizards was not so incompetent, we would be on a digital platform like Hearthstone, right? So I actually think if Magic were to somehow survive for fifteen more years, that paper would be phased out, huh? Right? And then you can actually errata cards. You don't have to worry about counterfeit cards. You don't have to worry about, you know, secondary market and stuff like that, right? So I actually think in the long, long term, your paper will be worth less. Right, you know, things like Black Lotus because it's a collector's item or something may hold their value, but just like general cards, like I would think the, there'd be a migration to a digital platform if Wizards could actually pull it off. But you know they they haven't been able to, and they've kind of <laughs> left a big hole, and Hearthstone has swooped in. But you know if they actually had their way, I would think they would go that way because like why do you want to spend time printing pieces of cardboard and sending them around the world, right? Like it's just so much work. So, so Richard, one question for you. We've heard rumblings, well, I guess confirmation that they're at least working on a new digital platform. Um, do you expect this to be something completely different than Magic Online? And if so, do you think the possibility of a Hearthstone model where you play to win the cards instead of pay to get cards to be uh, part of this new system? Is redemption going to end and the whole thing just... Uh, changes around or do you think it'll just be a continuation of magic online i think it'll be a continuation but i think they'll eventually want to get to hearthstone hearthstone has all the benefits right all the money goes directly to blizzard there's no bots there's you know nothing in the way right they control all the cards uh they can errata cards uh there's no weird legal gambling issues right you know have have coins and coins can't be redeemed Therefore, it's not a currency, no, no problem, right? Now we have like these weird gambling and tournament laws and yes, I'm eligible to receive prizes and, you know, just all this weird stuff, right? So I imagine you would go to Hearthstone. Now, I actually have zero faith that Wizards will get there, right? They're like too far behind. <laughs> a CEO is a good start, but like the company culture isn't there yet, right? Like one of the big things is I used to live in Seattle, and I play Magic, and I'm a software engineer. I would never work for Wizards, 
their pay is just so below industry average. There's no reason to go work there. And because of that, they have like a certain company culture, which prevents them from moving on these things. So until they remedy that, I don't think this will ever work. So I, you know, I, I can't imagine them, you know, making a Hearthstone competitor in the next, you know, two, three years. It's got to be like a lot further down the line. So I think we're going to get things like duels. You know, it's kind of their fix, but it didn't go anywhere. Or you're going to get like bolt-on additions to Magic Online. But I think they do want to get to Hearthstone. I just don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. All right. So one more question for both of you. Uh, considering everything that's gone on this weekend, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the future of the game right now? Like, is this just another scenario where everyone's running around like Chicken Little and saying the sky is falling? Or are these people actually right to some extent? Uh, well, anytime this kind of stuff happens, everyone starts running around, sky is falling and, and, and what have you. But this particular change is kind of concerning. And it's something that you brought up earlier in the cast, Seth, because like the trust is kind of broken. You know, like you have a whole division of players like your your players that promote the game, like your pro community, you know, the faces of your game are now in disarray. Like it, there's such a big issue now with, well, if if the company is so wait, if the company's OK with doing that, like what else are they OK with? Right. Like, where does the where does the buck stop? And, you know, we we've played the game for a long time. We've went through countless you know fiascos like this countless uh you know pr <laughs> failures and and just all this kind of craziness even over the course of this cast i mean so many and, and just i played the game for a long time that uh there were points where people said you know the game would go away and here we are uh you know 10 years 15 years later uh but i don't know it just i, I feel like they're trying to push magic in a direction it can't go I mean, it's not an eSport. It's never going to translate into an eSport. The game was never built to be that. Like, it's never going to be Hearthstone no matter what you do. It's just not. Like, it's Hearthstone was built from the ground up to be a digital game. It's, by and large, fairly simplistic uh, from someone that, uh, you know, myself that has played Hearthstone. I've, you know, grinded uh, ranks and what have you, get gotten pretty high. Uh Magic is just not like that. It's it's not conducive to that. And I just feel like they're trying to make something make magic into something it's not. And I don't know if I mean it's it's going to have a lot of negative repercussions and obviously we're seeing one right now. So I mean, I think Richard is correct in saying that I would feel like maybe paper takes a hit more than digital going forward, so I don't think there's a huge uh there should be a huge concern about that, uh, but I mean, on both ends of the you know both ends of the spectrum, I think there's going to be uh, some some rough times ahead in this transitional period. What about you, Richard? What do you think? I'm pretty worried. Uh, <laughs> maybe a maybe a seven. Like okay. it's it's not like magic is going to disappear tomorrow, right? It's not, that's not my fear. But Wizards is not going in the right direction and they're continuing to lose trust with its user base so that's more worrying to me especially as someone who depends on magic as their livelihood this affects me 
right? So I, I'm worried, like, you know, this quote-unquote emphasis on esports, and then they do a complete 180 in that direction, yeah. right? Alienating your ambassadors of the game. Like, what? Right? So, you know, why are people even asking if their Magic Online collection is safe? Right? Do you sit there and ask if your Hearthstone collection is safe? No, right? Like, why are we even asking these things, right? So we're not moving in the right direction, which is bad, right? So that makes me mildly concerned. I think there are cracks appearing. Whether it all breaks apart, I don't know. Maybe the cracks get patched up and there's no problem. That's also a possibility, but there are definitely cracks showing. So I'm slightly concerned, right? It's something that I'm actually thinking about, right? It's like, huh, what if... What if Magic goes belly up? Right? What if Magic Online switches the Hearthstone model tomorrow? Right? In the ideal world, I shouldn't have to think about these things. Right? So if, if I'm thinking about them, something weird is going on. So that's why there, there is some concern to be, to be had. Some really good points, Richard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Seth, that was a great question. I mean, I just... I think I'm somewhere up there. I mean, not maybe not a maybe a six. I guess like I'm kind of worried, but Richard does have a great point. It's not going to end tomorrow, like just like that. But I feel like if they keep going in this direction, there's definitely going to be a transitional period that not everyone's going to sign up for. And I, I do kind of feel like there there could be that that scenario where you're absolutely right, Seth. Like people just like you know what. You showed me, you know, your colors, and I'm just gonna go play another game, or I'm gonna go play Hearthstone, or whatever Hex, or whatever whatever game, and you know, t- t- you know, I'm not gonna do this anymore. So, I don't know. I, I just I-, I was always in the camp of uh, the game can't be like it's not gonna translate to an esport, and I I don't know why that suddenly became a priority. Because it sounds cool. That's yeah. basically it, right? It's like, oh, it yeah. sounds like you're at the forefront of something, right? Yeah. Like, and I disagree with you on that point. Like, in its current form, it can't be an eSport. But what if I asked you, can World of Warcraft be a successful, uh, you know, card-playing game? And you're like, well, it's an MMO. Like, how can it do that? Right? So obviously, you got to yeah. change it a bit, right? You got you to gotta make innovations to the game to, to get it to be successful in those spaces. That's what they did with Hearthstone, right? They leveraged their IP, World of Warcraft, to the point that now when people see the World of Warcraft movie, or sorry, the Warcraft movie, they first think it's a Hearthstone movie, then they think <laughs> it's a World of Warcraft movie, but no, right? It's from this franchise from like 1995 yep. real-time strategy game, right? Whereas Magic hasn't transcended that thing, right? Think of like, uh, what's like the movies, like, you know, Daredevil, Netflix, or um, Deadpool, the movie. True. These were comic books from the 80s, right? But yeah. they've leveraged your IP and given what people wanted. Whereas, you know, as long as Magic Online is like, oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a card game and we can't fix it. And, you know, Magic has to be played with cards and these rules. They're kind of just going to stay in that spot. And they're not going to grow into, like, you know, these international, you know, fan bases across genres or whatever, right? So yeah. that's a shortcoming of Magic because they think like that. But... You know, they're, they're trying to do things. They're trying to make a movie. They're trying to focus on the story. Uh, they have their digital stories and things like that. So they're trying to get out there, but they're just not as successful as these other big companies that we know of. But, but I don't know. Going back to our first point, like, we have somehow failed at the Pro Tour, right? Instead of everyone being hyped about new decks, instead of everyone brewing for FNM 
instead of people madly ordering cards on their favorite websites, we're sitting here typing angry posts on Reddit about pro play. <laughs> right? So, like, yeah. what happened to the hype about Shadows of Radistrad? Anyone care about werewolves anymore? No, we care about Platinum Pros, right? Like, I, I don't know, right? Like, it's really put a damper on things. I'm, like, not as enthusiastic today. You know, it's like, oh, okay, it's time to do the podcast and talk about magic. You know, <laughs> instead of, like, wow, look at that top eight. Look at that stack top eight where everyone was a former champion, right? Everyone was a former champion except Steve Rubin, who then won the tournament, right? That's crazy. Eight unique archetypes. Seasons pass. Like, what the hell, right? But here we <laughs> yeah. are, like, oh, lawyers and... Oh, I don't know. My magic online online collection might disappear, and I don't know. The world sucks, <laughs> right? Like it's just like <laughs> yeah. why, right? That's that's why I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are really great points, Richard. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I hope that answers that question. By the way, we kind of like went off topic, but I think that all. <laughs> no, I mean, it all ties into that question. I mean, it, it, it's it's concerning that someone would even have to ask that, right? And I think you brought that up, Richard. That's a great point. I mean, it's you would never say that about like your Hearthstone. I mean, account like always probably going to be there. I mean, as <laughs> Blizzard like goes completely bankrupting, can't pay for the servers anymore. But now, when's that going to happen? Speaking of Hearthstone, like they're releasing a new expansion this week, right? And they're giving everyone free packs. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I I'm, I'm actually going to go log into Hearthstone to collect my packs, right? Because, like, why not, right? And you know, Chris Van, just, yeah, to stay on a topic uh, similar to this, like, Chris Van Meter has been tweeting out a ton of stuff about, like, Hex TCG and, uh, you know, other people as well. And it's like, the more I look at it and then, like, this stuff happens at the Pro Tour, I'm like, you know what? Like, maybe I'll just try it out. Like, what, what, what's the what's the harm? Like, maybe... It just ends up being better, and I can spend my time on this instead of having to deal with all this uh, seemingly like crazy fiasco stuff. Like, and any time something positive happens, always like, always seems to be tarnished by something like this. Well, so do I have to start making Hearthstone videos? Is that what we're saying? Uh, yeah, start. Uh, yeah, start getting your Noyotrons ready. <laughs> Uh, oh wait, no, that's rotating. Actually, don't don't get those. Don't uh, and, and and disenchant all your Doctor Booms. Chaz, please tell me about Hearthstone Finance. Should I disenchant this card this week? Uh, I mean, I don't know if this is the podcast to do that. I'm sure there's better outlets for that, but uh, uh, the 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 minimal that I know is that I wouldn't want to be sitting on Doctor Boom right now since uh, he's rotating. I I will uh, say I actually just logged into Hearthstone right now while we were talking. I don't like the idea that games can just change cards mid-swing. Like, I just logged in, and the first thing I see is a list of cards that are different than they were since last time I logged in. Yeah. Which yeah. is a magic it's, player. It's feels really changes. weird to me. What? There's errata? There's bannings and unbannings? There's no bannings or unbannings in Hearthstone. They just fix the card. Yeah. Twin OP, fix what it does. It's the same yeah. thing. But yeah. it's true that your deck could be totally invalidated the next day, but... At least you don't have this weird thing of what your card says on it is not what it does. I was watching someone resolve a Gifts Ungiven, but it was from From the Vault, and it didn't look like it was optional to get four cards. <laughs> right? And the players were so confused. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can just get two cards, but the card says four, and they had to call a judge. Right? With Hearthstone, this is not a thing. You would just update the text in real time right. and read it. Right? <laughs> so there are advantages to patching things on the fly. 
Yeah, and it's a little less like impactful because you know while they do balanced cards and stuff like that, like it's a collectible card game. So assuming that you have a wide variety of cards, you can just play another class or another set of cards, right? You just disenchant like I wouldn't be playing Druid right now. I I just saw it like on my my BattleNet app that they're uh, nerfing like basically every Druid card. So <laughs> I, would dis- I would just switch to another class. Like it's that easy. <laughs> Yeah, disenchant your big game hunters. Like, yeah. Oh, they cost five now. Oh, yeah. wow, really? Man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played Hearthstone in a long time. That sounds terrible. Oh, my poor big game hunter. <laughs> I, that's, like, seriously the best, like, voice acting in, like, the whole game. Like, he's just so cool. <laughs> How sweet would Magic be if you could do that? It's like, sorry, guys. Timer Grape is three mana. It's no longer OP. Thought <laughs> yeah. is now two mana. <laughs> that would be... Interesting. I don't know if I'd like that though. I don't know. For, maybe it's because I come from such a magic perspective, because that's the game I've played. Yeah, don't it always. Just, yeah. It feels so weird to me that uh, all of a sudden, oh, this costs two more mana. Like, oh, we didn't ban Splinter Twin. It just costs eight mana now. <laughs> you need to watch League of Legends, where they release patches that change the entire metagame like every couple of weeks. And so people like go deep into a tournament on one meta and then the meta changes like in the middle of it during playoffs and they totally get screwed. <laughs> it's like having a splinter twin banding like midway through the top eight. You're like, what? <laughs> like, change your deck right now. <laughs> so it keeps things fresh. It keeps things fresh, but it could be awkward for those enfranchised players. Oh man. Well, I think we covered everything. Uh, we tried to stay as optimistic and, uh, well, we didn't. <laughs> I know. We had no optimism here. No, today. we didn't. I feel Not bad today. after all of this. In fact, uh, just a little tidbit of uh, when when we were gathering to do the cast, uh, I was eating lunch and uh, Seth uh, questioned my uh, my commitment, and I said, "Well, I don't want to be a pro anymore, so I'm just going to eat my lunch." <laughs> That's how enthusiastic we were coming into this. <laughs> and then someone came in and took away half your salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically what happened. I gave it to Seth and said the net amount is still the same, so it's okay. Yeah. It's like kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like my ta- taking my uh, appearance fee and they split it. I- I'm all right with that. As long oh. as it's going to me, that sounds fine. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> makes sense. Shahar Shanhar <laughs> salads. Yeah. Uh, one quiz, quick question before uh, we head out of here. Uh, Seth, are you going to uh, GP New York? Oh, when is it? I think it's in two weeks. Oh, that soon. Uh, I guess I should look into that. I've been talking about it, yeah. but for some reason I thought it was like this summer. So I guess I'm going to have to check into that then. Are you going to GP New York? As, as much as I don't want to go to the Meadowlands, I'm, I'm going to make time for it. I'm, I'm this close to making sure I'm going. It's going to take a couple of days. I just want to make sure it fits in the schedule. Uh, mostly because, I mean, I don't, I don't, think i'll day two but if i day two i I just want to make sure i have somewhere to go because there's no way i am driving all the way back to the meadowlands uh so wait where's the meadowlands new jersey yeah they call it gp new york but yeah of course they never put in the real stuff but what's the format standard if i go i'm probably playing either against odds or budget magic i don't know which (laughs) one yet but one or the other rip bust out your cell phone and get some live coverage (laughs) if it okay, might wait, be. We'll get Chaz with the cell phone on the side whispering awkwardly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, yeah, we'll cast right from there. Yeah, it'll be like um, 
weirdly recorded cast from GP New York. Oh, that's that's the one thing we missed was uh was the dramatic ending to round sixteen with the with the whispering. That, that's what made me think of it. <laughs> oh, that is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, any on the way out the door, any thoughts? Should they have cut away from the five minute long debate over who was going to scoop in round sixteen <laughs> of the pro tour? I was asleep, so I didn't really see that until after. But yeah, I think they probably should. It is so okay. Imagine this. Imagine you're watching an NFL game. Two-minute drill, you know, tie game, team is fiercely going down the field, but then it's fourth and one, and they're outside of field goal range. And then Bill Belichick walks out, starts talking to, like, Rex Ryan. It's like, hey, <laughs> we're going for the number one seed. You guys aren't going to make the playoffs. You're not even going to make wild card. Your draft is not going to change. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think... Uh... Like, it's part of the game. I understand it's part of the game right now. But they should not be encouraging it, and they should think of a tournament structure to fix this. But they should definitely not be showing it, especially you know on camera and not even commentating or doing anything. We're just sitting there awkwardly watching Uchi like beg his teammate for the concession, right? Like if they're gonna cover yeah. it, they should at least cover it properly. Like tell me what the pros and cons are of each pro conceding. Who has better breakers, right? Who who has who's who needs pro points or whatever, right? But it's just so awkward the way it is, and I don't think it makes Magic look good as an eSport, right? Yeah. The fact that there's other incentives on the line beside winning. Right. Like, if it's a draw, it's a draw. Tough luck, right? Don't make the tournament structure work out such that a draw is actually the worst outcome. Yeah. It's actually next weekend, Seth. It's the 6th through 8th of May. Oh, so, well, that's still two weekends, sort of. Well, yeah, so it's, yeah, two weekends. So. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I would probably bring green-white tokens. But I, the, the thought of playing it against the odds deck would be interesting. It's, I think if I had to pick a deck today, it's a uh, mono-blue brain in the jar. <laughs> you all haven't seen it you, yet. You, it's you, it's you coming had a out fever- tonight, but it is so sweet. Sweet. Hype. Uh, <laughs> you had a fevered visions list. I might actually play that. If I was to go, this one's better. This oh, one's okay. So then good. I think this one's better. Then well, yeah, the good news is you don't have to worry about hotel for day two. True. <laughs> you don't need to worry about pro points either. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can uh, take the the money that I save by playing the twenty dollar budget deck and rent a nice hotel and get a nice dinner too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, this was like one of my initial reactions. I mean, with all this craziness going on and, and if Magic blows up, I mean, we could all just build against the odds deck and uh, I'll meet you in the cafeteria <laughs> during lunchtime. How about it? All right. I think that's going to wrap up uh, this cast. Uh, we will do this next time. Uh, gentlemen, it's always been great. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be the crew signing out. We will talk to you next time.